this Survivor? Bro, are you listening to Survivor? Guys, I think this is Survivor. Dude, you must really like Survivor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Survivor Buffs, Blindsides and Banter Podcast. This is the podcast made by superfans with superfans for superfans. I'm your host, Buckles, and with me I've got my mate, Mac. Mac, how you doing? Buckles, my man. I'm doing uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's a bit early. <laughs> uh, I want to start this, this podcast uh, a little bit differently with a bit of a poem for us. Oh, uh, yeah, um, poem? Okay, yeah. it goes something like this. It was an early podcast morning, and all through the house, nothing was stirring, not even a mouse. And that's how my house is right now. It's, nothing is stirring, nothing is moving. It is very quiet outside, because it's five o'clock in the morning. And you might be thinking, have Mac and Buckles lost their mind podcasting at five in the morning? And the answer is yes, we have. Um, but we do it for good reason uh, with our special guest today from the other side of the, the, of the planet we live on. Um, and we, we do this for him, so he has a, a perfectly good one o'clock afternoon time slot to do a podcast. On, on a perfect public holiday, we have from the Cayman Islands, our first ever international guest, Joseph Bates. Bates Hello, Joseph, everyone. I'm so pumped to be here. I've got my Survivor 45 buff on, and I'm ready to talk about Survivor on my day off. <laughs> Your day off. It worked out so well, this, um, this sort of setup. It really did. I feel sorry for you guys, but um, I'm caffeinated. It's 1pm. I've been to the gym and I'm ready to talk about a crazy week. Oh, definitely a crazy week. I've got coffee in front of me instead of a beer. This is not normal for us. Um, I'm, no. I, I'm not sure if I'm jumping up and down or if I'm physically tired. I'm just hard to side at the moment. I should be at the gym right now. I should still be in bed. This is far too early, but anyway, we'll be okay. I've woken up. You guys are fun chatting to talk uh, to, talk to, and uh, we will have a good time, regardless of the actual the time. Earl- yeah, the early bird catches the worm. Got to get into it. Get that's into it, get excited. As I say, I think that's a good motto for some of the things that happened this week as well. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I definitely think it's a great motto for that. Um, I just want to say, like, this season, the casting is incredible. Let's look at... These power players, and we had one of them really come out of her shell today, this this week. We had Caroline, we got Mark, we got Farris, we've got Kirby. These huge players, but Caroline, I think, is the big name of the week. Yeah, she certainly um, elevated herself within the Titans. I guess get 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 them before get got, or whatever she said in that way. <laughs> it was a perfect way to put it um, at the time. I guess, like, when do you want to start? We'll go right back to the start with the viral vote. Let's, I, yeah, I guess let's get I, into it. I thought it was a bit early. Um, I was like, this is ridiculous. You have a, a good majority in a swap tribe. Sort of, you run the number a bit, you know, wear, wear the rebels down. But um, I think ultimately, having seen what was going to happen, uh, I do think it was the right idea because Viola was coming for her, and, and as was Mark. So I think, yeah, get them before they get you. Great move by Caitlin. She just really stepped up and took the bull by the horns. Definitely, definitely. I was about to say I disagree with you when you started saying it was a bit too early, but I agree with you. I'm loving that. That it was so such. It ended up being such a good move, and knowing what was happening, Joseph, what were your feelings on this move? Um, I really, really enjoyed it, um, and I think kind of what maybe pushed Caroline into kind of this power position. But she has been thinking about this move for a little bit, particularly because not because of against Viola, but Mark's kind of drifting towards working with the Vs and then swapped. And then she's like, hang on a second. 
I have a bit of uh, more power here than I did before the swap. But I think one thing what I picked up on was that, and he talked about how the other tribe handled the swap as well, but I don't think out of the gate, Rihanna, Sarah, or Alex approached the swap in possibly the worst way possible. Um, Rihanna basically, we see that Rihanna kind of goes to uh, the OG Titan majority on this new Rebels tribe, uh, basically saying, uh, please don't pick me, I'm just going to pitch myself straight away. If <laughs> I think the best way for them to have approached it was at least wait and see to see if there was some kind of cracks before offering everybody else in your minority up on a platter. And I think it gave Caroline the idea that, hey, there actually is... Caroline was the one that clocked, oh, hey, there's three votes here up for grabs and maybe I can actually make a move. Um, and they just kind of fell into it. Uh, but it definitely gave Caroline the uh, the votes and the numbers to have a legitimate idea that she could pull something off like that. I think, I think this week, and I just want to sort of back up your point... This week was so full of bad gameplay. <laughs> all three tribals, all three tribal councils, there was really bad gameplay. And it it's cool because obviously on the other side, you've got this really excellent gameplay and that's why we're loving this show at the moment. That's why we're loving this cast. This, this whole setup is so awesome. The gameplay of the Viola move, just the swap in general, was so bad by so many people. Um, a big thing, and we t- we saw this last week, was Caroline was already starting to switch on to Mark. Mm-hmm. She was starting to just feel that sketchiness, feel like maybe he's with someone else. He's got a ride or die in another alliance, which is really per- uh, per- perceptive of her. She picked that up, and in turn, she made the move first. She did the right thing making the move first uh, because... Like, next Tribal Council, who knows, Mark and Viola might have somehow gotten the the OG Rebels onto their side, and they've got the numbers. So they did a really, she did a really good job sort of picking that and making that move as soon as she could. I actually really credit Kitty. Yes. Um, I really credit Kitty. Her social game, we haven't seen anything of Kitty. Like, I'm genuinely shocked. I think to, to this week was the first time I've seen a smile in the, in the entire show. <laughs> and it was... But she played that so well, to the point that... I know we're jumping ahead here a little bit, to, to the point that Rihanna still trusted her in the next vote. Mm-hmm, like, she, mm-hmm. she absolutely killed it this week. Caroline, the mastermind, Kitty, the social player, loving every second of it. Mac, what were the best things coming out of this Tribal Council? The Tribal Council itself wasn't overly exciting. Uh, I thought we got another good Seinfeld line with the uh, the pirate and the puffy shirt for those uh, eagle-eyed watchers. But I, th- I do think um, there were sort of mistakes around, I suppose. Like we, we say Mark, he sort of had this other ride-or-die with Viola, and I guess he didn't do the due diligence of when you have an alliance of four to sort of maintain that, um, I guess, I don't know, enough social bonding with them. All, all, all of them said, Eden, Kitty, and Carolyn all said, oh, you know, Mark's swaying away from us. And they could all feel it. So I guess you have to sort of mark him down a few points, uh, no pun intended, um, <laughs> uh, on his, like, social gameplay. We've given Mark a lot of credit already this season about how, how well he's gone about it and how everyone's on his side. And perhaps he's probably gone too far into the uh, the V camp. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess this sort of uprising from the Middle Age Mafia was coming just to sort of get him back. Now, is voting out someone's strongest ally a way to get him back into your crew? 
<laughs> Maybe not, as we said. I think it's proven that it's not no. after this week. Yeah. An aggressive move to get him back. So that was great in the episode two of the week. Um, sorry, what I want to touch on what, what Joseph said is um, how the, the three on the bottom handled it, Alex, Sarah, and Rihanna, whereas we compare them to uh, Winner, Valeria, and Charles. Such a different approach. I mean, night and day, night and day. Yeah, day. like the, the Titans, the OG Titans, Charles, Winner, Valeria, they said, we're, we're a three package, use us. Because I think what people forget is whenever there's a swap, um, never assume that these people are still together just because they're on the same starting tribe. Because always there's going to be conflict. Always there's going to be this thought that. These people have their own plans, which I've probably had for a few weeks now. I want to get this person out. And when you have swap, that's when you have, I guess, numbers up for grabs to do something you wouldn't have had the chance to do before. So I think, um, yeah, Alex, Sarah, and Rihanna, probably a bit naive to think, oh, yeah, the Titans are going to stick together. we just got to sell each other out. Whereas the uh, winner, Valeria and Charles, really good job. We're a package. Use us to, to make your plans happen. Yeah, look, I, I, lo- I love all the points that you said there. It, it is great. And I want to touch on them. I want to go back a little bit, then come back to that point of the swap and sort of what happens in a swap. Um, so before the swap, Eden brings up that Mark's getting too close. He's getting too close to the Vs. Um, Eden's feeling, it, uh, feeling Mark drift away. And now that this big name of Nathan that has just been on their name uh, on their lips for three tribal councils now is gone, it's time for the Titans to get a little bit spicy, for things to sort of heat up a little bit in the kitchen there. So they've got this idea before the swap even happens. Okay, they're thinking this is going to happen, and Caroline, Eden, Kitty—they've obviously been talking about it. So going into the swap making the move straight away to a point is a smart option, even though you would think it wouldn't be. But the OG Rebels played it so bad that it was the perfect option. The OG Rebels aren't together. They're sort of every which direction pulling. You think Sarah's with Rihanna, but then she's not with Rihanna, and then Rihanna's not with Sarah, and then Alex was with Sarah, but not. It's just it's just confusing as fuck. And we'll get into how really bad they played it soon. I, I want to talk about the swap in general. Okay, so what was your initial feeling, just your very first thought, when you see the two swap tribes? Well, I thought, one, it was interesting for me because they kind of had the same similar ratios of a majority to a minority. And when I first saw that... uh, Say the new rebels, the OG rebels minority on that were Rihanna, Sarah, and Alex. And they were kind of already working together anyway. So it's like we've just picked up a block of three and just swapped them onto a new tribe. And then with the new Titans, there's the OG Titans minority, which was Valeria, Winner, and Charles. And they were not, at least from what we saw from the edit, not necessarily a type three. So I was actually more interested in how the new Titan were going to work out because there was that clear divide between Ferris and Kirby. Um, but I just want to maybe step back away from drilling down, but just talking about if you're a player, what's the best way to approach a swap? Well, the, the real answer is you can only approach a swap after you've seen what the makeup is. And if, say, you actually are legitimately swap-fucked where you're the only person, which is pretty rare to happen statistically, on the new tribe when no one else from your old tribe is on there, then you're in a pretty bad situation. But I like to say that the swap is where 
you see the best players kind of come out and shine. And those are the ones that I think for most cases, and I don't have the statistics with me, will go far in the game. And I think from what we've seen, the people that have done well this week, and we'll talk about it at the end of the episode, I think are the ones that are going to go all the way pretty deep in merge. Yeah, no, definitely. Nathan, what are your thoughts? What was your initial thought, your one thing that just suck with you since the swap started? Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to jump off Joseph. I think, yeah, like anytime there is a swap, I do think the best players use the swap to their advantage. They make new alliances within the swap. They don't sort of stick to old tribal lines, which I think can get you caught up because you're sort of waiting for people on the other side. Are they going to make it to the merge? Are they not? The best thing is to do is to use the swap tribe as your new tribe. Build as much things as you can there so you have options going forward because once you have the options inside the other tribes i guess numbers then you, then you can sort of the game becomes a lot more fluid and if you can navigate that you're in a good spot um yeah just from a swap i guess nothing nothing major really it was six to three on one side and seven to three on the other side i thought the decision with raymond was interesting i thought why not why not make him make this decision at the end like i agree a hundred percent yeah give him actual strategical choice like he was the second person to get a buff so it's like what does he know like isn't that more fun There's if, a he knows, if he knows where the, where the numbers are yeah. um he'd probably i mean i guess most people just choose a safe option and go with the numbers once they know the tribes, but I thought it sort of took away any sort of interest in the decision. Um, but yeah, that was no. probably from a swap. Was, I mean, they're good swap tribes. It's good to see a shake up. I love a swapped episode because we want to see our best characters from each tribe meet each other. Um, I know there's only a few that actually swapped over, but the swap's always fun. Yeah, we, we sort of had the big power players from each original tribe go together. Yeah. and continue the wars that they, mm. well, in Mark and Caroline's case, they didn't really know they were fighting yet, and they were just suspicious. And in Ferris and Kirby's case, definitely knew it was happening, and it was it was always going to blow up. My, my initial um, thoughts with the swap, and this is something I have every time, and you can almost read it like a book. I'd love to, I'd love to look back and look at the statistics on this, but you can almost read it like a book. When, so let's, let's say theoretically every swap tribe, especially Australian survivor, say it's nine on the tribe. Okay. If it's a five, four from original tribes, you tend to notice that they hold strong and they just pick off the other, the five pick off the four, unless something drastic happens, like a good idol play or something like that, because they have to be unified. They have to be there together. There's no splits. There's no slipping through. They have to vote five against the four to propel themselves further in the game. When we get numbers like 6-3, or in Titan's case, 7-3, it, it gives that option for a, for a split. It gives that option to get to push through these cracks that have already been coming for so long from the majority. The majority never tends to hang tight. I think the best example of this is Champions versus Contenders 2. We see David and Luke stay on the Champions with seven, I'm pretty sure, Contenders. And they're just able to leverage these cracks so easily and just pull and push and get all the way through to merge in this tribe because... When there's seven people, there's definitely going to be cracks. That is just sheer proof. And you see that every swap, especially in Australian Survival, when there's a large group, they shatter. When it's a smaller group that only just has the majority, they hold tight and fix tight. 
I think that's a, a really good observation uh, because when there's only room for error in one number, then everybody starts to get a bit nervous and they definitely want to stick together because uh, there's only one person that could fuck up the whole thing. But if there's a bigger gap between the majority and the minority, I think it gives people room to think about actually having plans that involve splitting the vote, that involve maybe using an idol, that involve uh, the minority really actually pressuring the majority to use them as a vote to do something that they maybe have been thinking about doing but haven't had the actual motivation or realisation that it's possible to do and not necessarily get away with but have a lot less consequences than, say, one person jumping ship from the five to the four and then flipping because then you're the flipper. And you, do you really want to be have this, the, 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 the notoriety of being the flipper from the start of the swap, basically probably till the end of the game or whenever you get voted out? Yeah, I think I think it's more like when you have a massive majority in a swap, there's no need to have like way bigger numbers of the minority. So like people are more willing to give up. Like it was six to three and, and seven to three. So you're more willing to give up one of your numbers because you still have the majority regardless. You're still in the power. But when it is that tie number, you never want to make it even numbers because you never know what's going to happen. So you want enough mm. power to have the power, but you don't want to have, you know, we have like three extra numbers, we're just going to run the up. Because I feel like nowadays nobody really wants to just run with their original tribes anymore. I think it's boring and like we just don't do it anymore because I guess there's more fans on the cast and it's like, well, we want to see fun survivors. So let's shake it up by voting out our original people, which is what we want to see, no. to be honest. But and that, that's become a real like, metagame now, I think. Definitely. I think the structure of Australian Survivor, these verses, these versus tribes, does sort of keep you thinking. And I think to the end of the game, like we look at it last season, it was still being said, Liz is the only villain left in the final three and shit like that. It really sort of, the Australian Survivor franchise using these versus techniques uh, versus uh, themes uh, really pushes that point, which does sort of keep it there. Like, they're still referring to each other as OG Titans, OG Rebels, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing I did want to say is every time we get a big swap like this where there's a large majority and a small minority, they always say, we're going to, I'm just going to knock this person off and then we'll go back and we'll just knock out the, we'll just pick off the other three one by one. And obviously we see Sarah go home. That was obviously Caroline's plan. I have a feeling that might change if they get a chance to go to tribal council again. Having Jaden on their tribe might change that. But well, the, the rebels, <laughs> the rebels will, um, the rebels will probably have to start attacking. Uh, the OG Titans on the rebels will probably have to start attacking themselves. And Alex and Rihanna could find themselves in quite a good position coming up. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Mark's in a bit of hot water after the whole... Oh, yeah. What went down with the second vote of the week. Um, just, you know, I think Caroline was right to try and get Mark back on board. But I think when you voted out his number, he, he just got really emotional about it. And it was another sort of, I guess, big cross against Mark's name. Like, this is another sort of poor gameplay. You should... You, I mean, it's, it's hard to... It's easy to say, but you should never really get emotional about a vote. Move on. This this was his middle-aged mafia. She's like, we can get back together. And they all thought it was possible, except for Mark, who's like on this vendetta mission. Like, I'm not going to say for no reason, but maybe it wasn't necessary. Um, so he's really isolated himself now that this, this plan didn't go through. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if if he's the next target or if they can all get back on board again, um, <laughs> which I don't think so, and get out maybe Rihanna. 
Yeah, definitely. Look, I think Mark, unfortunately, we've been pumping him up. He's winning our buff, our uh, Buckles Buff of the Episode competition at the moment, but he's definitely not getting one this week. There was some really, really bad gameplay. Um, I think it starts even back at the OG Titans, bringing up that Caroline name, letting that bit fester in other people's mouths. Caroline obviously whiffs onto this. She has suspect. Uh, she suspects that Mark's not with her. Not having that shot back then, you either sort of have the shot or you don't. And bringing that into the universe sets this whole plan up for Caroline to get Viola out. Viola was the one bringing it up. We said last week that Mark did that really well, letting Viola sort of take lead on this one. But Mark's still attached to Viola, so the su- the suspicion uh, the the suspicion is there. And then we come into this tribe. Mark wants to hold fast. He gets it over him. Uh, doesn't play the idol for Viola. Look, that, that's that's all bad in hindsight, but you can't really blame. He got outplayed. That's It's just that simple. But this next tribal council, trying to start a move with people that aren't on your side, I think um, we'll talk about it when we talk about the second vote. He really sort of stuffed up with how he went about talking to the OG Rebels. I think he didn't handle that very well. He sort of just pointed, uh, let's do this. He didn't actually explain why. He didn't say, you're actually vulnerable in the original conversation. So there was some definite bad gameplay by Mark, playing the idol for himself, not suspecting that they're not going for other people. Again, not great in hindsight. What are your thoughts on Mark this week, Joseph? Yeah, Mark did not do great. Uh, <laughs> I think Viola kind of said it uh, in Tribal Council where JLP asked her a question and she goes, well, the moment you sit still is the moment you become a sitting duck. And that basically happened to both Viola and Mark in that round. And we got to think about Mark, it, he has an idol this round. And at the end of it, right before they go to Tribal Council, we see that Mark is actually a bit nonchalant about the whole vote because he's like, oh, I got safety of an idol. But he's the only person, this is my opinion on the matter, that he's the only person that knew he had an idol. No one else at that time knew he had an idol. And I really think he would have done much better that round. And maybe Viola would have been safe had he played that round without thinking that he had the safety of an idol. Because I think it gave him a bit too much subconscious comfort that oh, it's not really that bad if things kind of blow up a tribal council, I've got an idol to save me. But one, things didn't really blow up a tribal council and everybody gave very general political answers. And he just got a bit too complacent. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, Viola went home. And he, re- I think being a diplomat, I think he should have really honed into those skills of kind of social observation and diplomacy with Caroline and kind of picked up on the fact that uh, maybe he should have maintained that relationship more with Caroline and kind of said to Viola, hey, we're swapped. I know we're good. So let's actually not spend as much time with each other because we really need to keep these other relationships that we have with our OG people and uh, make sure that they don't go for us. So uh, he was very complacent this round. And I think that was his big mistake. No, definitely, definitely. Joseph, I really want to absorb knowledge from your experience. So we know you played Sydney Survivor Season 1. To, to, to be frank, you, to a point, got swap screwed. You were put in a small minority in a new tribe. You got a little bit lucky with sort of how the 
challenges worked out and having immunity for the tribe, that talking to the other side, that conversing with the majority in your case, which I think we'll eventually get to Alex in this, how did you feel it was handled? And just can you relay your own experiences being in a minority Sure. So um, I really think uh, the way that I played the swap in City Survivor, I think is actually comparable to how Kitty played uh, the first round swap with Caroline. So I was really good with Leah in that swap and we were in a minority. Um, I was really trying to make inroads with the new people, which I felt like I got along with. But if there's someone that you're with a minority and you're both trying to make an effort, but uh, it's much better to paint even though they're your ally, you're going to be a strategic ally, paint the target um, on someone else. And that's what I did with Leah. At one point in Sydney Survivor, on the first swap, we, it was not looking good for us. And Leah was like, oh, yeah, you guys can vote for me. It's fine. I really want to protect Joseph. And I'm like, in my head, this is great. But in real life, I'm like, Leah, you don't really have to do that. Um, <laughs> but in, inside, I was cheering. I was like, thank fuck. Uh, <laughs> and I think there's something well. a bit similar here where... Kitty was having um, this strategic conversation with Caroline about going for Mark or Viola. And what I loved about what Kitty did was that I don't know whether she did it intentionally or she did it accidentally, but she really egged Caroline on to make the decisions. Caroline would ask Kitty, well, what do you want to do? And Kitty, Kitty immediately deflects and goes, uh, well, what, no, what do you think, Caroline? What do you want to do? So she's pushing the decision-making ability or the responsibility for making a decision on Caroline, which... I think later on, say, if she went to Final Trouble Council, she could actually really try and claim that as her own move, that she put the target on Caroline from being the decision-maker when really Kitty was a real, like, accomplice that made Caroline the face of that move. And Caroline would probably take the move for herself, but what she did there about egging on your ally and agreeing with them and kind of deflecting any kind of, like, decision-making responsibility from yourself, especially, um, well, this case, Kitty wasn't in a minority, but I'm just, from a strategic standpoint, I'm just making comparisons between my experience. And having done that by painting someone else um, as a decision-maker or uh, a bigger target than yourself is, in my experience, uh, a really good way to approach this. Does, does it bother Definitely. you? So what we saw from Kitty, she goes to the girls straight after the challenge and says, oh, look, I love both of you. It's going to be hard to vote one of you out tonight, pretty much. Um, I didn't love that from a gameplay standpoint. If you were on the bottom like you were in your season and someone comes to you and says, oh, it's going to be tough voting you out, but then, I mean, later on comes back with another plan, is that still, do you need to be saying, oh, it's going to be tough to vote you out? Or can you sort of, I guess, wait till a bit later on and... and, and say that or let them know a different plan? Like, should you give them a fake plan regardless? Like, what, if you were there, what, what, like, what are your thoughts? I thought it was a bit not the best move, you know? Yeah, I would tend to agree that it's not uh, the best move. And possibly it could have been at that point in time, then it really was that's just the way that it was looking or uh, maybe she's kitty at that point was looking at a very 2D lens that, oh, well, we've got a majority here and yeah. minority here. That it, It's done and done. And I think that's probably the way that they approached it. And then we get the whole sequence of Caroline almost spying on Mark and Viola deep in conversation. And that's really kind of like the the catalyst for, I think, going after Viola as well. I, I actually, I'm going to disagree with you. So in hindsight, and I don't think at all Kitty planned to do this, but in hindsight, Kitty coming up to them and saying, 
like it sort of sucks how the chips have sort of how everything lays, how the chips have come down, and like it's going to be really hard voting us out. I've I feel like I've got a connection with you, with you girls. Like I'm enjoying it, and then all of a sudden she comes back with a different plan. Hey, I've got a way to save you girls. I think in the long term, it's actually not a bad sort of system to play. The OG rebels know that they're on, like that they're in danger. That there's a majority on the other side, so they're sort of not surprised when Kitty's like, like it's going to be really hard to vote you guys out. And then when she comes back with, oh, actually, I've got a way to save you guys. I think that actually, in the long run, ends up being a really good sort of social play. Yeah, I, it makes them feel a bit disposable. I think it's like, oh. Oh, sorry, guys, don't need you now. Oh, wait, I've got a plan. And then, I mean, we see then Rihanna just fully get left out, the, or both of them left out the next boat and <laughs> yeah. split on them too. So it's like you yeah. just feel really uh, exposable, uh, disposable rather. And I, I don't know, like, wouldn't you rather go up to them and say, hey, guys, like, obviously you're in a tough spot, but I'm going to do my best to make up a plan. And, and you know, if I, get, if I get something, will you vote with me? You know, sort of sit, plant the seed to say, can you vote with me if I need you or I'm going to work this out for us. I, I think... Um, yeah, sort of telling them that they're going to go regardless is not the best move. Look, yeah, I, I actually, I, I go back on everything I just said. That sounds a lot better. No, that that genuinely sounds a lot better. Um, I, I thought I was running down something cool there, but I was not. That is so much better. Well done, Mac. Genius. <laughs> all right, well, look, let's, we need to get into Alex. I think the Alex of it all this week. Now, this man can't catch a fucking break. Like, he seriously, he's on the back foot right. this entire season. He finally looks like he's the flip vote with Sarah in the OG Rebels and then gets swapped, gets swapped into a minority, again on the back foot, picks the wrong side, doesn't have the social connections. Well, he, I guess he's got a little bit of the social connections with sort of Eden because, like, Eden wants to bring him in on the second vote, on the Sarah vote out. Like, so he does, he's, he's not going horribly. I don't know how he's not going horribly because I felt like he played this week so wrong, but he seems, he somehow wasn't even sort of brought up as a name in that second vote with the Sarah Rihanna vote. Um, where did you see, what was the worst thing Alex did? Let's start with that. Uh, Mac. Well, I don't think it was, he played it that bad. Like he's in this, he's in a minority, which we know, um, he gets through the first vote with, with the viola plan. He doesn't know about it. And then him and Mark sort of team up. And, you know, if you're on the outside, Mark's the man you want to team up with. Seemingly, he's the power player. So what has he done wrong, really? Like, he threw the girls under the bus, which we said wasn't the best idea to do straight away. But ultimately, it's not the worst idea either because you know in the second vote, in the split, you know, maybe you can use his vote, um, which, I mean, the majority plan to do. But, I mean, then Mark sort of has his plan. I don't think he's in a, in a horrible way. Like... He's got his two guns, you know, he's keeping him in the game. But he's, he's, a, he's a challenge beast. Um, because they're so scared of voting out strength this season. Well, well Jaden's still there. Um, I just don't think he's, Apparently. Yeah, I think he just sort of comes off very non-threatening at this point because he has no power, he has no allies. and He's just sort of trying to work his way in. I, I think he's doing an okay job. I don't think it's that bad. Uh, what were your thoughts, Joseph? Um, there's one, uh, there's one thing I want to disagree with. I think Alex actually did a good job at, uh, gently throwing them under the bus. He didn't really, he wasn't the driver of the bus, but he kind of like pushed them across the crossing walk and there was, I don't know, a bike there that kind of ran into them. It was, it was a very gentle. And I think it's good that if you throw both of them under the bus, then it's not like you're 
definitely targeting one. And I liked how he went up and he's like, check out these guys just looking for an idol. Lol, what the hell? <laughs> that was a great I, scene. I, th- I think that was a good social move for him because before that, the, he generally can see some social bonds forming with people like Mark and Eden. And I think uh, he's someone that I'm watching that's, learning very quickly um, at an exponential level, even though he hasn't been... Has he been on the right side of any votes? I don't know. But I definitely think he's learning for in a positive trajectory. And I don't think he necessarily played this week uh, that terribly. I think uh, socially, he did really great this week. Strategically, uh, eh, no. Not good, not good. Um, So Alex did vote once right. Once correct, and that was the Kelly vote. <laughs> so I don't know how much. Yeah, I know. I don't know how much sort of um, urgency we can give to that. But it, yeah, yeah. I think I think you guys have swung me again two times in a row. Maybe Alex didn't play this as bad as I originally thought. He seems to like obviously, yeah. Picking the mark side might be very detrimental for him next week, but maybe he did play it better than. I was seeing it on the TV. Uh, one person that did play this very, very badly was Rhiannon. And that initial conversation where Viola brings up, oh, Sarah, Rhiannon, do you find yourself as free agents? <laughs> what what went down there, Matt? Um, I think... ...of... This was a time to agree with someone who was giving you the proposition that probably was going to help your game. But uh, Rihanna immediately turned that down. She's like, actually, you know what? No, I'm not a free agent. I'm actually really tight with Kirby, who's probably and uh, wasn't actually really that tight with Viola, I think. So uh, it didn't help her game at all to say to disagree with Viola, who was giving her, I don't know, a door of opportunity uh, to be possibly in something. And I think she just read that entire conversation very wrong, gave a terrible answer and didn't do herself any favor. Basically trying to pitch herself the moment they get back to camp when they lose the immunity challenge. And just to, uh, hop onto something quickly, that immunity challenge I found very boring and it wasn't that exciting, the rail and the ball one, but I do have some initial, uh, some, a little, uh, tea from actual production. Yeah. Uh, the initial rules of that immunity challenge was that you had to get the ball all the way to the end without dropping it at all. But it took them over an hour and no one was doing it. So they changed the rules where when it got to the next bar, um, if you dropped it, you just continue from that bar. So that's a little, I don't know, behind oh, wow. the scene uh, information. I, that I, I, yeah, cool. That's awesome. Thank you for confirming that for me because I had my suspicions on that as well. I thought mm-hmm. that was... Uh, like, it, that's not something that they do in Survivor very often where it's like, oh, if you get it over to the next bar, you can just start from there. So I had a feeling it was a long challenge. It didn't work out and they just sort of changed it up on the fly. So thank you for confirming my suspicions there. So, Mac, so Mac just for just, just so then you can remember the week and remember the Rhiannon... Uh, I, I'm going to call it a schmozzle, is uh, Viola at the water well... She's got uh, a few Titans there, Rhiannon and um, Sarah both there, and Viola's sort of trying to itch to work with them and just sort of suss out who's the best target who who should and who should stick around out of the OG Rebels. She asks, oh, 
do you class yourselves as uh, free agents? And sort of Sarah's there nodding. And as we work out later, we didn't actually hear Sarah's answer, but as we work out later that Sarah's very malleable, she's very uh, open to work and open to vote anyone, whereas Rhiannon's like, oh, yes, yes, I do class myself as a free agent, but, um, but I'm, actually, I'm actually very tight with Kirby, so um, come merge, like you're going to have Kirby on your side. And um, Kirby's type Scott, so you got Scott on your side as well, like I come with numbers. And that just gives them a target. And that was the reason she was sort of the target in that first that first part of the first vote. It's interesting because, I mean, so if there wasn't a big majority of, of original Titans on this tribe, they might be thinking, oh, we need to align with someone who has a few numbers we can work with. Um, but I guess when they're in this majority of six, they want the loosest agent to join their numbers, I suppose, rather yeah. than get another group to join them. So I think Rhiannon just didn't play that great. I think what happened to the days of just say yes to everything? I think <laughs> is, is that strategy out the window? Because that is the best strategy. You say yes to everyone and everything, and generally you'll find yourself in a better spot. She had a, she had a tough week, and which culminates in her voting for Mark, which sends her best friend home. So it was a, a bit rough for Me? her, but um, I don't know what if she's you... long for the game. <laughs> Mark, what you're saying is be a Jaden. Just, yeah, just exactly. say yes. Just say yes. <laughs> oh, who do you want me to vote for? Okay, I'll vote for that person. Okay, look how well it's going for him. He's actually <laughs> he's smashing. <laughs> he's smashing. Slightly invisible, but he's there. He's just having a holiday, lifting logs. Yeah, yeah. I great. actually on ten play. There's the voting confessionals, and um, I was I've, I watched them, and I was genuinely shocked. So in the Viola vote out, Jaden actually says, "I've wanted you out since day one." To, about Viola, and I was genuinely shocked because that's the most strategy or the most, like, the, like sort of close to the game thinking mm. <laughs> that I've seen come out of his mouth. That was a genuine shock. Yeah, I'm surprised he has an opinion on anything because every time we see him, he just sort of gets a plan given to him and he's like, yep, no worries, bro. Yep. Easy. Sweet. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. I'll just lift. I'll just lift. Yeah. And I, which I am fucking loving. I am <laughs> loving Jaden's Jungle Gym, mate. Jaden's Jungle Gym. You guys got no protein in your bodies, but yeah, let's push our muscles to the brink. <laughs> I always thought the less food you eat, the less energy you have. Um, why waste it on a bit of a gym sesh? I, I don't know. He's, he's saving that by not talking strategically. <laughs> <laughs> he's diverting all the brain power to muscle power. <laughs> muscle power, exactly, exactly. Um, well, we so we, we lose Viola. Viola gets voted out on the elusive day 16, which we oh. all know Queen Sandra is uh, known for. That's that's tends to be when she gets voted out. So who knows? Maybe Viola comes back as uh, maybe Australia's next Sandra. Could that be a thing? No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right, boys. Um, I think the reason our listeners like listening to us is because we're not a recap show. We don't just knock off things as they happened. We don't tell you exactly the show that you've already listened to. But right now, I'm going to tell you the show that you've already watched. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna just smash through because I feel like a lot of people got lost in this second scramble. This is one of the most hectic scrambles I've ever seen. I reckon possibly the most hectic scramble we've seen in Australian Survivor. And I put this down to, again, that great Australian casting. We've got super fans. We've got non-fans. We've got casual fans. We've got a little bit of everyone in this. And I think Sarah was 
gold in this tribal, uh, this uh, whole segment. And it was a real shame to lose her, but you can understand why we lost her. So let's let's just smash through. All right, gotta love a three three split. Gotta also trust the person that puts his hand up saying, "Let's vote me." Let's tell them to vote me. That's not pretending that there's anything going on behind the scenes. I found it a little bit cringe how then Mark goes to Sarah and Rhiannon and sort of tells them, nah, let's let's vote Kitty, okay? I know she's sort of your ally, but let's vote Kitty. That was a little bit horrible without actually telling them, you're in danger, there's a split on you. He obviously didn't pick his timing very right because Kitty and Caroline were walking back up. They straight away head to Kitty and say, Alex reckons that Mark's with them and they're going after you. Kitty does not believe a word, tells Mark that they're coming to her with this bullshit about him. He then goes straight back to the girls and is like, okay, I forgive you girls. I know about it. It doesn't matter. It's all right. I've got a idol. The plan is a go. Let's actually get Caroline out. All right, girls talk about it. Alex reinforces Mark's plan and says, no, this is the right thing to do. So, of course, Sarah then needs to find out the truth and wants to go talk to Eden uh, because that's what happens on Survivor. You can talk to everyone and 100% get all the truth and make it an executive decision from there. Sarah then throws Alex under the bus to Kitty and Eden because she really wants the truth, so she's going to tell the truth. Sarah realizes that actually she's the plan and the conversation gives in to Mark's plan and we get to trouble council. Jaden's blessed. Rihanna decides to go with a gut. Sarah has L plates on while everyone else is driving with full licenses. Eden decides to go all on Sarah and not split the vote and bye-bye Sarah. Yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot going on after that challenge in that episode, uh, the second episode of the week. Uh, a lot of good stuff, uh, mainly a lot of bad stuff. Now, how do we want to go through it? I think, let's start with Sarah, the person who gets voted out in the end. Um, I think what she does is is fine because she, I guess she's the one that, who's the target. Um, so she just investigates constantly until she gets the right answer that it is going to be split on her, which I think was good. Like she found, she showed some like perseverance, finding out, yep, is it me, is it me? Finally gets told it's, it's me. Um, and then I think does the correct move in joining with Mark. Um, now I think the fault with Mark is that if he doesn't tell, if he tells them that it's a split on the girls straight away, they're more likely to work with it, work with him straight up, and maybe they don't go and tell Kitty the plan and stuff. So, there's a, yeah, a few a few uh, missteps, but uh, it was it, certainly some fun TV to watch. Like just chaos constantly, Ch- the plan changing. I loved it. Like there's so much going on, and it really made for good TV. I look, I I agree. It was amazing TV. Fuck, that was a lot to get through. Thank God for the um, <laughs> the joy of editing because. Um, when you guys do hear it, that probably took me three or four times to get through that. Um, there, there was so much going on. It was so absorbed. Sarah throwing people under the bus um, constantly here, there and everywhere. I did not like that. But yeah, going for the truth, trying to get it out of people. She just needed to go about it a different way, I think. So she so she didn't sort of give in to the options, <laughs> give, in, uh, give in to the option of going with Mark or going with Kitty. Joseph, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this was, um, my jaw was on the floor, more out of bewilderment than anything else. But like you said, it was very, very entertaining. Um, Clusterfuck. Sarah, Sarah, um, as a fellow Novocastrian, I'm very disappointed and sad for your loss. 
Um, but at the same time, if you don't like people lying to you, why did what did, what did you expect when you went on Survivor? Um, <laughs> love ya, but uh, I don't think she was mentally prepared for the layers of um, deception and everything. But it kind of I think it begs the question to kind of step back a little bit actually and think. What do you do when you think everyone is lying to you? And how do you decipher through the bullshit? How do you wade through it all? And the way that I would approach it is, one, just hope you have a fucking idol. And if you don't, (laughs) two, take a step back, maybe have some me time. Time. And I don't know how much time I actually had to go through this strat stuff, but take a step back and maybe go by yourself, try to think logically about every step that has happened uh, and pieces together, and if you can't, yes, go on a truth-seeking mission, but don't do it in a way that's kind of like a chicken with its head cut off, just trying to be like, Bob, what's going on? I don't know, Bob! That's not like what she did. And she did herself any favours by doing that. And she, when she went in to go, she's like, oh, I need to go talk to Eden. I just need to find the truth. And Nathan's like, don't do that. You're going to implode. And she, she kind of did, but when you go and find out the truth about stuff, I think you have to be a bit more incognito about it um and she really tried to find the truth like a bull in a china shop and just lifting up everything and like she did a an fbi raid on her own brain and it didn't really work well when she overturned everything and she probably threw away the truth when she was looking for it and didn't even realize yeah but- alex alex you can see it in his face like don't go sarah don't go no <laughs> You know what? It would have worked. It would have worked if Rihanna had had jumped to their side. And I mean, we don't know what happens in a four four split. Who flips for a rock draw? It could be anyone, but probably one of the of, of Mark's side. Um, but I thought it was funny where Kitty, uh, Sarah, and Mark are all standing there, and Sarah's like, "What's the real plan?" And you know, Mark's going for Kitty, Kitty's going for Sarah, and Sarah's just like standing there, like, "What, we, what is actually <laughs> happening good. here?" I just thought it was, it was just a great moment, just the three of them all potting almost against each other and. It's funny. Just another another moment of of note I'd like to bring up was everyone's scrambling and Sarah's panicking and running around, and then we just see Jaden walk past with some firewood, just you know, carefree, <laughs> probably whistling a tune and just having a great time on the island. <laughs> it made me laugh. Uh, um, I did want to like I actually thank you for bringing that up, Mac. Um, I want to go back to you brought up rocks, and I have I have a theory. And uh, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I have a theory to why Mark possibly played his idol as well for himself. I don't think it was just to uh, keep himself comfortable for the actual vote itself. I think it was because 4-4, two sides, 4-4, gives that chance for rocks. And if Mark, with Mark playing the idol means that even uh, if, if rocks come out, He's not going to be an option there where the OG Rebels maybe can handle in that conversation that they have after the double vote, they might be able to be like, oh, okay, this is, this, is, um, this is our time to really fasten down. We have a chance to be a majority here. I think Alex could really swing this to Rihanna and Sarah. Um, we, could, we can hold fast. Whereas Eden, in that paranoia, I feel like he maybe would flip, maybe not risk his game on rocks, even for someone like Caroline. And I think we see that in sort of these episodes that he's very sort of self, uh, self-preservation self mode, like keep my social connections right, probably wouldn't go to rocks on statistics alone. Mm, I disagree. I think Alex is the one that flips. Alex has no allegiances to anyone. He, As soon as it goes to rocks, he's like, well, this four is strong. I'm just going to flip my vote because I don't care if Sarah goes home. 
That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree that Nathan's probably the one that flips, but I just Alex, want to Alex, sorry, 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 Joseph, that's the second time. Alex, Alex thank yeah. you. Oh, I keep getting them mixed up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alex is the one that probably flips. I agree, um, but I just want to quickly touch uh, before we move on about Eden and his paranoia and how basically he drank. That conversation with Caroline, where he's just chugging water, uh, was hilarious. And Caroline's really trying to like. Uh, listen to him and I think what she did there is a really good example of what to do when you're there with an ally who's going to get paranoid is that she listened to what Eden was concerned about. Um, she listened to what Eden would need to feel comfortable, which is to talk to Jaden. And she gave him the positive affirmation to do that, to make him a bit more comfortable. And I think it was a really great diffusion of the situation. Um, but it, I, can, I can understand Eden's paranoia. Um, and I think it, I like to think well, I hope my opinion that it comes from being one, a super fan of the show, but two, someone that I know has applied for the show since it's been on. And it's obviously his dream. And I can understand that if you go on this kinds of show as a super fan and it's been on your bucket list for such a long time, I can understand getting a bit paranoid because you want to go as far as you want to go. And I think that's as a super fan, it's a blessing and a curse. And I think in this case, um, his aspirations and maybe the pressure he put himself to do well in a game that he loves um, has made him a little bit on edge. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. But in the words of Johnny Cochran, uh, so obviously from Fans versus Favourites 2 over in American Survivor, paranoia can be handled, it can be managed, it can be used. Mm -hmm. And I think Eden, yes, that first vote maybe wasn't great, like he was about to go against his ally, etc. I can understand the paranoia. He maybe didn't handle it as well. I think Caroline really handled him very, very well socially, um, giving him that sort of, yes, let's get Jaden on board. That's, that's a good number for us. And it worked out really, really well in the long run. But that second vote, Eden's paranoia possible, like he, sa they, he saved them. He saved them from a split, uh, from a revote. He saved them from possibly going to rocks. He really did a great job sort of picking up, oh, oh, I'm not liking this. Maybe we shouldn't split at Tribal Council. That paranoia really helped him. So I, I very much was not down on Eden this week, even though he might have got a little bit crazy there for a second. I think, um, you know, all these things, that the, the plan, the changing of the plan, the split, Sarah, Mark, Kitty, all this stuff happened, but the biggest move of the episode was when Eden says the Tribal Council load up on Sarah. Because if he doesn't do that, they don't win that boat and, and Caroline goes home. Because it would have been two on uh, two on Sarah, two on Rihanna, three on Caroline, one on Mark. So, um, yeah, he made ultimately the biggest move of the episode because of perhaps his paranoia. But I think he might have read the room. He might have understood maybe Mark's not with us anymore. You know, it, Kitty's probably told um, Eden that, you know, the girls have told me that Mark's, you know, flipped on us. If just hearing that is enough to say, well, maybe it is true. Maybe we should just set up our own plan, and it works. It works. So, Eden, to me, he gets a lot of credit for that. Yeah, he def definitely does. I just, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just, I just want to, like, we've got we've to gotta get to the Titans. We've really got to. <laughs> this is, it's already six o'clock. We've got to get there. However, I just wanted to bring up um, the alliance name that Mark came up with for Alex and Mark, and the alliance name of 
Volcatan? Yucatan. 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 Okay. It's a horse. It's a horse. Now, it's it's, it's actually a, a horse who's been racing. He raced a couple of years ago in the Melbourne Cup, um, Yucatan. It's, I think it's a place. Oh, I thought he meant like Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. I'm sure, I'm sure it was named after that. The horse <laughs> the actual, I didn't understand it. <laughs> the, origi- the original, um, I believe, so I, I did a little bit of research. I believe this was originally what the Mayans said to, I think it was the Spanish when um, they ran into each other, I think it's uh, something like, uh, who are you, I'm confused. Right. Something like that is the original. Don't quote me on that, but I did very some quick research on it. Uh, very random name, and it worked out perfectly because Alex is confused. What the fuck is Vukatan? How do you say it? Yucatan. <laughs> Yucatan. Uh, You're a bit confused, it sounds like. <laughs> no, I'm just Alex. <laughs> I'm very confused. Mate, I am not. I, I, I am the Alex of the season, not the smartest person. You got what the a dichotomy. What a dichotomy, exactly. I <laughs> totally know what that means. Yes, dichotomy. Totally. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, don't, I can't believe that these names have not come out of our mouth that much. This podcast, like yes, yes. Ferris and Kirby. Ferris and Kirby. We've got Kelly we got Raymond. We've got a whole lot of shit going on. Va- Valeria, holy fuck. Like, I, I don't even know where to start with this tribe. Can someone else kick it off, please? All right. I think the best way to start about this is uh, rewinding back to the start of the swap. And this was being littered out um, throughout the Sunday and Monday episodes. Um, and I really got to hand it to Valeria and how she approached the swap where she knew she was in a, a numbers minority um, but she was very aware about the Kirby versus Ferris situation. But also she's a very socially aware person as well, taking the role of the cook, because if you're the role of the cook and you're the, the provider for the one thing that everybody kind of needs on your tribe, when you're cooking food, you're giving food out, you have chances to talk to people and engage in conversation with the icebreaker being the food that you cooked for everyone, that everyone's thankful for was a really smart way to approach um, her, uh, the way that she was swapped. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Valeria, out of all of them, played it the best. And, I mean, she hasn't got a buff this week for me, but she really positioned herself as, like, the lowest threat on the, on the uh, three original Titans. Um, if, if they had to go to vote three times, she would, she would still be safe. So she really did a really good job at just, like... I guess meeting the new group and like putting herself in there and, and no one's against her. So I really was impressed with her gameplay this week. But uh, yeah, I mean, Valeria was good, but let's, let's go to the main, the main fight of the night, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the pay-per-view, the Ferris versus Kirby. I mean, we spoke about um, Carolyn, you know, it was the right time to get Viola because she was coming after her. Do we see it the same way with the, the Ferris and Kirby? Like, we know they're on different sides. We know they're coming after each other. Was this the right time, or do you just get out an OG Titan? What do you guys think? I think their rivalry was never going to survive keeping strong like Eileen initially wanted to do. It's There's it, it's too much tension there, and I, I think I could see it in Kirby's eyes when they were pretending to agree to the idea that they keep OG Titan strong. It just I could never see it happening. No, I, I completely agree. Eileen, Scott, they both had the right idea. They really did, like, stay strong. Let's just get out a few Titans. Let's just knock them out one by one, and then we can have this war later. We can have it emerge because we're going in with numbers, so we've got that option. Uh, but you could see it. You could see the Ferris 
Kirby beat just oozing out of their ears. Like all the rebels just knew it was coming. It was just, it was, they were, it was too strong. It was too strong. Too much shit had been done. Yeah. It's funny because they're really open about it too. Like they have this, this chat about, oh, you know, stick together. And then Ferris like just stares at Kirby. He's like, I love Kirby. Like, can we put our guns down now? Like you've got a bazooka. And it's just funny, like to speak so openly to like an enemy who you know is coming after you as well. And I mean, yeah, we, we said it was a good idea for Carolyn. So it was like, I sort of have to go with the same thing. Like you need to get that person out. If they're actively gunning for you, the moment you say, let's put our guns down is the moment they're going to try and kill you. And that's ultimately what happens. Like they agree to not do it. And then, you know, <laughs> Garrick sort of pushes that, oh, we have the Titans. Let's, let's, let's change the plan. And Eileen gives it the okay. And, you know, Ferris, Ferris's wheels are in motion. So, uh, look, I think, um, so when Eileen brings it to everyone right after the challenge and it's all the OG rebels in one place, um, Ferris there agrees, um, to the, to the plan. He's like, oh, Kirby, like guns, rifle, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, you've got a rifle. Um, he's like, you've got a bazooka. First of all, great scene. Absolutely great scene. I want to bring up Kirby's reaction to this and how she handles this. I think she handled this so badly and then so perfectly at the same time. She has, like, the, 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 the beef's going on. The beef's going to happen. She probably knows it's going to happen no matter what happens or no matter what she says. So how she handles it, the as per the edit, the interaction um, makes the complete... It makes complete sense for Ferris because Kirby is not responsive. She's not agreeing out of... Um, oh yeah, this this sounds like a great idea. She's sort of agreeing out of necessity. She's she's just yeah. I guess I guess if we um, if I say yes to this, we can stop talking, right? That's almost like sort of the sense that it's coming from her, the sense that we're getting from her, and this is brilliant in some ways, or it was really bad. I'm not sure because <laughs> it's Kirby. I feel like it was brilliant. <laughs> Um, I feel like she planned this perfectly because what she does, not responding well, not giving Ferris the real sort of positive reinforcement, yes, I'm with you for this vote, forces Ferris to um and ah about her. And in turn, forces Ferris to make the first move, to agree with Garrick's plan, to talk to Eileen about it and get Eileen on side, meaning that Kirby, Kirby has plausible deniability. Ferris... You've just made the first move. You're the one flipping on me. I'm not flipping on you. Hmm. And it it works out really, really well for her. And being Kirby, you sort of feel like she almost did that intentionally. She did it really, really well. Or it was really, really bad. Not too sure. We'll never know till we hear of her deep dive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it is interesting because I guess we see them both sides approach the Titans to get these three on board. Uh, the winner Valeria and Charles of it all. And they sort of, yeah, commit to neither side slash commit to both sides at the same time, which is perfect. And I guess whether we know, yeah, whether Kirby actually wants to do the whole get Ferris' side out or not, we're not sure until we hear, until they hear the plan that they're coming for them. So it was interesting to watch. Um, I think Garrick sort of dug his own grave, I suppose. Like the plan wasn't to do the Kirby side and, and, and keep your rebel numbers up. Um, and he's the one pushing the hardest, and I guess ultimately he's the one that gets hit because of Ferris's idol. So, like for Ferris, it's not the worst idea because he probably, he has the idol, he's safe. They can't split the vote, so he doesn't really have to play it because sort of everyone knows that he has it. Um, so Garrick was the next logical target, 
But uh, yeah, it's it was. I mean, it was a great episode. One of the best episodes of the season. Honestly, it was just so much fun to watch. Um, what are your thoughts here, Joseph? Yeah, uh, well, you mentioned about um, the whole Ferris being kind of the main face of actually uh, flipping the boat from OG Titans uh, being strong. And Garrick's in on this. But then, um, like I said, I, I agree that I think Garrick digged his own grave a little bit. He seemed very stubborn, but also, for some reason annoyed that Eileen was the one that pulled the pin, which I don't think was uh, accurate at all. But it doesn't paint Eileen in a great light either to uh, winner Charles or Valeria that if they really do believe that Eileen was the one to actually flip it, when really she was the one that wanted everyone just to hold hands and have a peaceful vote for once. Yeah, look, I, I, I very much see this. A lot sort of went wrong for the Ferris side of this, and you can definitely see the escalation to the reason why Ferris lost this battle. Now, I'm hoping, for Ferris's sake, that he lost the battle, still wins the war. I love Ferris. I'm loving Kirby. I hope this war goes on for a long time. I hope there's many battles. I hope both win and lose quite a lot, but you can definitely see sort of the points that brought up to this end result where Ferris loses his 2IC Garrick. Uh, Garrick obviously getting frustrated. Why are we going rebel strong? Why are we doing this when Kirby's right there? We have the numbers. I've talked to the OG Titans. They're on our side. We've got the numbers. Why are we doing this? Um, him bringing that up to the OG Titans is stupid because he pretty much throws Eileen under the bus saying, oh, she's skeptical. She's not sure. Eileen's part of Ferris's crew. That does not give the OG Titans trust in Ferris's side. Not to mention, being an OG Titan, uh, three out of ten minority, you want this war to continue. You want Ferris and Kirby going at each other. When Ferris says, let's, yeah, when Ferris brings up, let's go for Kirby, and then Kirby brings up, no, let's go for Garrick, that's music to their ears. Getting Garrick out depowers Ferris, but at the same time, Ferris is still there. He's still the figurehead of that little um, alliance over there. You want Kirby and Ferris there. You want them fighting it out till merge so then you three can slip through. It's so smart, um, Kirby going for Garrick. I think it was really, like, obviously, I'm not completely sure that was what she thought originally. She was probably trying to save for the idol that is out there and everyone thinks that Ferris has it. They might not think that he has it now because he didn't play it, but who knows? We'll find out. Um, but Garrick really sort of threw himself under the bus there. No, I don't think he handled this well. And I also got to give credit to Scott because based on the edit, it seemed like Scott was the first one that's like, hey, Kirby, why don't we actually go for Garrick? And Kirby's like, oh, yeah, okay. And I think that really got the train running. So I think Scott was thinking um, a couple of things ahead as well. Sorry about that. Yep. My dog just goes crazy. Uh, yeah, I just thought, I thought probably the way that Ferris handed the, the OG Titans wasn't the greatest. He was extremely, uh, I would say, heavy-handed with the way he was talking to Charles and, and Winner and the nighttime scene. Just a bit too direct um, about Kirby and just really, it's not like, get on board with us, we can build something together. It's, Kirby's a bad person. We must take her out for me. Like it was, it was very um, almost selfish the way he was talking about it. I thought I can't remember the exact quotes, but I didn't think he handled it well. And um, and then we sort of hear Charles say, you know, it's, it's, if we're if we're a threesome, going to join one of these groups, it's better to go into a three-three than a four-three because at least we're even numbers. So 
I thought they probably made the right call. Um, I do think like the Kirby and Scott, are just, they seem a bit more rational, a bit more of an easier people to work with than maybe like a Garrick and then a Ferris. So I think the ultimately the decision they made was the correct one. Yeah, definitely. Look, Garrick is stubborn and we see it in his confessionals. He wants Kirby. He only wants Kirby. Nothing like he's pissed off when it's not Kirby or he thinks that it's not going to be Kirby. Um, so he is actually a great person to get out of this circumstance. He's unmalleable. He's unworkable. He doesn't want to swing from what he is and he gets pissed off. He, uh, Garrick did really, really well this episode in Tribal Council, obviously sussing out that it was him going home. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously uh, Ferris makes, I guess, yeah, he just assumes he's either got the numbers or he's like, okay, no, nah, it's not you or I, I'm not exactly sure what happened there. But Garrick and Eileen really did well. I think Eileen also, yes, it's sort of very translucent that she voted for Kelly um, and then sort of says it straight to Kirby. But it also shows that she's workable. She's not defined with the Ferris Alliance. So I don't think that's a completely horrible move either, even though I think Eileen got a lot wrong this episode with being the figurehead of the Rebel Strong Alliance, uh, the attempt at the Rebel Strong Alliance. And I think um, uh, Eileen putting that vote on Kelly was actually very smart because we have this whole other um, subplot of people being convinced that Kelly has an idol because she's just acting different. Um, and so she's probably in her head thinking, well, if Kelly has an idol, she might play for Kirby, then everything against Kirby's negated. And then if everyone votes for Ferris or Garrick in that case, and the idol's played, then all of those are cancelled out. And if there's no stray vote anywhere, then someone else might be collateral damage and maybe it could be me. So I think putting a vote on Kelly was very smart of Eileen. And it sets her up, like you said, to be a bit more malleable and appealable to Kirby as a person to work with after this vote has ended. No, definitely, definitely. I, I, really, I think we need to get into this. Let's get into Kelly. How have we not talked about Kelly this much in this episode? Kelly, a huge part of the show, even though she didn't get a whole lot this week, she still got a whole lot this week. Kelly, Kelly, wake up. Tell us everything. Like, Kelly, tell us everything. You got to give it to Kelly. She does not give anything away. <laughs> That's for sure. Like she keeps everything close to her chest. However, you can see that she's hiding something from fucking Denmark. You can see it, but she'll never give you the whole story. <laughs> I thought one of the most self-aware things, and Kelly, love ya. Um, but at the same time, one of the most self-aware things she said this episode was when she was having that conversation with Raymond, and she was just confused, and she goes, "Well." I am dumb. And I think uh, she's obviously not dumb in real life because she's a psychologist. You've got to go to uni for that. You've got to do well to be understand that and get your degree or whatever. Um, but I don't think she brought her survivor brain cells with her at the moment. Um, but, and I think uh, I'd like to see her that she is playing into that. But I would like to see something in the edit or some little confessional that does actually confirm that for us, for the viewer. So I'd be more invested in the operation that she's running or apparently running or not at all. And it's just several coincidences in a row. Yeah. Like she's, she's, she's done some good things and we have credited her in past podcasts. Um, but she doesn't really claim them in confessionals. She doesn't say, Oh, I did this for this reason because she's thinking about it. She sort of does it maybe on a whim and it pays off for her in a way. Um, uh, but I do think <laughs> this whole idol rumor is absolutely perfect for a player like Kelly. Like, She's so erratic, and if someone like that has this power of this idol, which, you know, doesn't have to be true, but everyone thinks it, which is perfect, 
Um, well, it's not perfect because you know you can't actually protect yourself, but it's not a bad thing to to at least bluff an idol. So I think like she's safe to emerge now with this pretend idol. I just think like she's just she's just sort of in a good spot. Like who's coming for her? Who's coming for her? Yeah, that's that's it. Look, she's definitely in a good spot. I don't think it's just merge that this gets her through. I think we talked about this last week. If she gets through the merge, she's through to the end. Okay, Kelly is uh, Kelly's my highest percentage chance of getting to the top three at the wow. moment. She is she is genuinely like I'm not saying she's going to win the game. I definitely don't think she's win the game. I think her winning chances are quite low, just because of how we're seeing her. But in my mind, she's got the biggest chance to get to the top three out of everyone in this game at the moment. Because this pretty much gives her immunity till merge. And then in merge, who the fuck's going for Kelly? There's no reason. Unless, like, you really need to get a number. Like, there's no reason to go for Kelly. I I was a little bit... It, 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 it hurt me a little bit, like, watching the Raymond-Kelly uh, conversation. You could see that Raymond had sort of the best intentions, but at the for his friend, but at the same time was sort of trying to sort of structure it strategically. So then he knew that his side was possibly going to win out and Kelly, obviously not sort of understanding completely. And then obviously as soon as that's finished straight to Kirby, let her know what's going on. This obviously starts the war officially, the war that's been oozing out of their ears for so long, but this, this was, it really sort of was a bit of a shame because this might break up that friendship that we've loved so much so far, that Raymond Kelly friendship, because Raymond can't trust Kelly. He just can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, I, I just want to bring up one little point. We've got Ferris and Kirby at the end of that challenge. They're holding up these buckets. They're exhausted. They look at each other. And it's like, you almost see it in their faces. Yeah, we've got to do this. This war's about to start. They sort of almost nod to each other and it's just, go. Talking about this war, holy fuck was this argument at Tribal Council one of the most heated ones we've seen. It was heated and yet Kirby was just so smart about how she argued. Constantly questioning. Knowing that she knew the answers. As soon as the other side, Garrick, Eileen... Ferris fucked up. She hammered down on that point. I would never want to argue with Kirby that, uh, that, uh, what's the, Anna, antagonistic, that antagonistic smile is just, it would just make me so angry. And it's like, it's like, you remember like those kids at school, you, you know that you know the truth, you know that you're right, but they just hammer down. And because they're so calm, it almost makes you seem crazy because you just no I'm right and she's like but but I'm right <laughs> and it's and it just works so well she's just so smart in how she does it she thinks about her conversations could she be the next diplomat for Australia <laughs> she's very <laughs> very thinking through her very thinking through her conversations yeah it was it was a fun trouble council for sure there's a lot going on I mean it was just fun that like Charles goes in there lays it out like this side's against this side and we're in the middle and like to see it actually play out like that like usually when you hear that sort of thing, you know, the people that are saying it are definitely not in the know, but this is exactly what it was. Um, a lot going on between Garrick, Ferris, Kirby. Yeah, you know, Kirby's claiming the Peter vote, which is what we saw as a viewer. But out there, obviously not mm-hmm. voting for Peter at the time, um, they don't see it that way, which is really interesting, I thought, um, because we that whole episode was Kirby's episode when it happened. Um, so we, I guess we know her side of the story, but maybe there's another side out there. Um, but yeah, it's it great. Um, just great TV. That tribal council, one of the better tribal councils of the season. 
And I think we've seen here that Kirby uh, is a really dangerous player, not because of what she's done so far, but that she's just cool as a cucumber in every stressful situation that we've seen so far. Everyone else that she's either argued with or been against has been sweating bullets. And we haven't seen Kirby crack once, which I think is a testament to her, I guess, mental resolve. Yeah. And I'm excited to see... I'd like to see her crack, but at the same time, if she doesn't and she's just this cold, cool, calm, collected and confident person, it, that's going to get her really, really far as well. Yeah, definitely. She, she's, she's kicking ass at the moment. I'm not sure... If I liked how she argued, I don't know if it made me like her anymore. I love her strategy, mind, but and I think she really handled that tribal council well and reinforced why the OG Titans wanted to work with her. Is because she's cool, calm, collected, great under pressure. It was awesome. Definitely. Hey, it's time. Let's move on to our predictions from last week on a little segment we like to call Previously on Australian Survivor. And let's see what we said. So I'm just going to give you three boots. Okay, I'm going to give three people that I think are going to get voted out in any order. I'm thinking Caroline. I think Kitty. Yep, I think Charles is, again, uh, in a similar situation to Kitty. (laughs) Well, um, that's zero out of three, mate. That is zero out of three. I could not have done that worse. Caroline was as safe as houses. Charles was brought up for a second, but that's it. Kitty was as safe as houses uh, for at least the first vote. And then the second vote, it sort of all went to shit. Yeah, I mean, Kitty and Caroline were both brought up in the first one, but that's about it. It was a pretty tough week for you. Um, let's, let's, let's have a look and see what I said. I'm going to go for a couple. Uh, Raymond, I think, is one who will be in trouble. I agree with Caroline. And I, I think the uh, the Ferris Kirby rivalry might come to a conclusion and uh, Kirby might be the one to go. So, Well, you, you know what, Buckles? Like, <laughs> swap, swap week's always hard. We've, we've always said that. We never know what's going to happen. And uh, we obviously had no idea what's going to happen. So it wasn't our week. Um, but what, what do you think is going to happen next week? Next time on Australian Survivor. Mate. Yeah, you, you sort of fucked up there as bad as I did. Um, next week, I've... Oh, look, all right, look, I'm I'm seeing... So Kelly's safe in my mind. I feel like it's smart for the Kirby and uh, OG Titans sort of alliances to just keep aiming at the sort of Ferris alliance. I think Ferris has to play an idol. They have enough to split. I see a, a Eileen or a Raymond go home. I'm going to go with Raymond, unfortunately. No, no, no. I'm going to go with Eileen. I think um, her attempt to sort of get back in with Kirby doesn't work. She comes off a bit slimy. I see Eileen go next week um, in the first tribal. Then let's go OG Rebels. They fucking... uh, No, no. The Rebels tribe, they go back to tribal council. And I see an Alex going. I think he's going to struggle. And then Mark goes shortly after that. Yeah, I said something similar. I think Ferris plays the idol. Uh, I think Eileen will go in that in that vote if they or in, in one of the episodes. I'm sure they'll go to Tribal Council, and I think um, perhaps the Rebels go there twice. And I think Rihanna's certainly the one on the on the block. And uh, is it is Marks is Marks time over? Like we thought he might even win this game, but he's in a really bad spot right now. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the big dog, Mark, Mark, Rihanna, and uh, Eileen for me. 
What are your thoughts, Joseph? All right, I'm not far off. Um, I, I I definitely agree that I think, well, my prediction is that Ferris gets back into a corner, has his idol flushed, and Eileen is collateral. Uh, I think on the Rebels, my prediction is that Mark actually finds another idol and Kitty gets idled out as collateral. I don't think uh, Rihanna or Alex are going to go. I and, love that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't know about the third vote. Um, if the times go back, I could see that it is a Raymond or, or if the Rebels go back. Um, it could be uh, Rihanna. But my uh, kind of left of field prediction is that there's a nighttime challenge next week. I'll uh, Heroes versus Villains, Ferris Travel Council. I noticed that in the uh, preview as well. <laughs> uh, good prediction. Good prediction. Yeah, that, that, that's good. I, I didn't notice that. So, and I watched it twice. So, I'm like, that's crazy. All right, guys, we need to start wrapping this up. It's early in the morning. Let's start eulogizing some players. I don't think we're going to give them uh, the respect that they deserve just because we have to get through through this so quickly. Uh, Viola, as a player, I quite enjoyed her. I quite enjoyed her. I think she got a little bit stuck. I think she was a bit of collateral in this vote out. I don't really blame her too much for that. Um, as a character, she was she was fire. She was awesome. I think she was very enjoyable. That smile, holy fuck. It's it, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And she's a beast of a player. She was great in challenges. I think her memorable moment is the deadlift 190 kilos. Do I tell people? Do I not? Um, will she return? I, I, I give her a good chance to return. If um, We know how Australia's love, Australia Survivor loves bringing back players. I think she's got a good chance to return. Yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed with Viola. She's like on the poster for the season, so I really thought she was going a long way. Um, she yeah, just sort of didn't really pop as a character, as a player. Didn't really do a whole lot either, so a little bit down on her for me. Um, Will she return, you know, potentially? Because apparently I've seen her in an ad for the Dog House on Channel 10. She's like the receptionist there. So she's obviously in the network now. They'll probably reuse her. Um, so, yeah, potentially one day we'll see her again. I definitely think Joseph. that she has, the, she has the potential to be, I think, an amazing Survivor player, thinking of like uh, almost Marianne vibes um, from her personality and how she was very out there and very friendly with everyone. Um, but... I think she definitely came across on everyone's radar as a threat from the get-go, just from how physically looking she was. Um, so my tip to Viola is maybe don't do as many deadlifts for the All-Star season. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Okay, let's get on to Fireman Sarah. Um, as a character, we didn't see a whole lot of her, but she was she was a little bit fun. Um, I wouldn't say she was a standout or anything. As a player, um, Sarah... It's time to go for your full license. You've got to put the study in. You've got to put the work in. I'm a, you're not passing at the moment. I'm sorry, you're not getting your P's. You're not even, you're not even getting your red P's yet, mate. Sorry. Um, and memorable moment, I think, is that line. Uh, I've got L plates and everyone else has got their full license. I don't see her returning. Yeah, I wasn't as down on her as you. I do think she was in a tough spot. Um, just early on with the cut of the lines, just that all went pear-shaped, and then she just found herself swap-screwed as well. If she's on the other tribe, she's fine for a while, I think. So uh, she's found herself in a difficult spot. I think she did pretty well to get information out, to find out she's a target, and then she made the right call in going with Mark. Uh, just unfortunate that uh, Rihanna voting for Mark ultimately cost her her game. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we'll see her again. But she wasn't as bad as perhaps we thought. 
Well, as the, the first uh, person from Newcastle, I think, that's been on the show, me obviously being the second next season, um, <laughs> I was devastated. Um, but I'm here to avenge the Nova Castrians. Uh, I did like her as a person. I enjoyed her Princess Leia space buns. They were always fun to look at. Um, but unfortunately, Rihanna was not her only hope. Oh, nice. Okay, and okay, let's let's get into Garrick. Um, as a as a character, look the very small stuff that we saw. He, he he really wasn't bad as a character. Like I really enjoyed him. He definitely smelt shit. He definitely saw what was going on and worked out what the issues were. He was he lives up to his name as a private investigator. Um, as a player, he was. Oh, we didn't really see a whole lot other than I'm aiming at Kirby. I want Kirby out. So. Like, these revenge plots, these uh, vendettas don't work in Survivor. They are the downfall of some very good players' games. And, I, yeah, um, I can't say that it's really good gameplay being so stubborn. Uh, memorable moment. Oh, I think just his intro package. Or, no, Dirty Dogs. As he's walking out, Dirty Dogs, fucking Dirty Dogs. That's, that, was, that was pretty funny. Um, no, he won't return. Yeah, I like Garrick. As a player, he's this tip, um, stereotypical older loyal man, you know, super loyal to someone, and he latched on to Ferris. Um, as a character, I actually really liked him. I thought he had this this edge to him that we haven't seen in this older man. He said this ferocity about him. He hated Kirby, and he was so against her, which is, you know, bad gameplay, but it's fun to watch. And I really liked Garrick. Super perceptive. He smelt the rat when Kirby voted the wrong way in the, the Peter vote. And then he's... Um, even at Tribal Council, he's like, yeah, I'm going home. Give me the idol. Like, he's so perceptive. Like, great skills for the game. Really enjoyable older character for me. I liked him. Um, but I don't think he'll come back, no. I agree. I don't think he'll come back. i got to give him kudos for being um, very observant and in tune uh, on everything as it happened, and he picked it up. Uh, I personally detested Garrick for <laughs> some reason. If you're going to go on a Kill Bill arc, you've got to make sure you're at least... Beatrix Kiddo and not Bill himself because <laughs> Revenge is the best dish served cold and he just Kirby lived in his mind rent free and that just tanked his game uh, but I did really enjoy the Dirty Dogs line as he uh, left that's that's for me that's also my memorable moment. Yeah. R.I.P. to Viola, Garrick and Sarah like it's um, we'll see we might see one or two of years later but I, I don't see us seeing anyone anytime soon. Alright Guys, we got to get in a buckles buff of the episode. I think I'm very excited about this. Joseph, who was your favourite player for episode seven? Uh, I definitely got to give it to Caroline, hands down. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Totally. Well, look, I think we've explained it. did a great job at getting Viola out, <laughs> clocking that. Uh, so that's why she deserves the buff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also going Caroline. She sort of senses her name is out there without hearing it, which is really good skills for the game, very perceptive to see Mark and Viola. She's like, yep, they're talking about me. And then it was the whole line of Tribal Council, get get you before you get got, and she did that. So great move from Caroline, and uh, she gets a buff. Yeah, good on Caroline. Um, I'm actually going to go a little bit different. I'm going to go with Kitty. I think Kitty's social game was really sort of the standout in this. Um, Caroline... The strategic mind. Kitty's the social player. I really liked this. I think Kitty handled this whole episode very, very well. 
And I'm going to give it to her as you've given it to Caroline. I think Caroline's got everything that she deserves from that one. Okay, let's go. Episode 8. I'm just straight out giving mine to Eden. I think as a result of his read at Final Tribal Council, at the, at the Tribal Council, he worked out, let's not split. Let's just go straight for Sarah. And that ended up winning out the day. Yeah, um, Eden gets my buff as well. I mean, we saw so many moves in this episode, but the biggest move of the night was at Tribal Council. Eden consolidates votes on Sarah, and um, yeah, that was the biggest thing. And, you know, he was never a target in all of this. We heard, look, almost everyone else's name except for Eden. He's in a good spot. He's a good player. Eden gets the buff. All right, I'm going out of the limb here just because of the clusterbug that was the whole Rebel Bible. <laughs> I'm actually giving my buff to Valeria for showing everyone how you do Swap 101 socially. Mm. Very good. Uh, that, that, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> that is, that's a really out-of-the-box um, buff. I love it. I love it. Thanks for your input, Joseph. Okay, um, let's get to uh, episode nine. I think this is a big one. I think this one's probably the hardest of the week for me. Um, I'm going to give it to Charles, okay? I think um, I think Valeria did a really, really good job um, sort of uh, doing the swap 101, as you said, Joseph. But Charles seems to be sort of the figurehead of that three. His name was brought up at the start. It wasn't even near mentioned by the end of it. It was very much, I think Charles sort of run that three, my, uh, in my, from my opinion. Yeah, um, I, look, this took me a long time to come up with, and I thought I'd come up with like a unique name. Uh, and also Charles, I've gone Charles as well. <laughs> but uh, we do podcasts together every week, and we obviously share a brain. Uh, um, yeah, he's the ringleader of the three. He chooses the correct side, um, giving them a 3-3 split in that side, so they're not outnumbered. And, uh, yeah, he's not targeted either. He's, he's, he's in a good spot. Very, um, they sort of come to him which is a good place you want to be. So Charles gets the buff. How about you, Joseph? Um, I'm going out on a limb here again. And I'm going to give actually my buff to Scott of all people. I think socially he's doing really great. And I, I'm going to credit him with the, with uh, initiating the move on Garrick, even though Kirby did a lot of heavy lifting. I was almost going to give it to Kirby, but I think the pros and cons of what she did that episode kind of weighed her out to a, a neutral buff. Uh, but I, I was I was impressed, and I'm actually looking forward to him playing um, a much more main character energy as the the episodes go on. I think he's going to do well, and he's positioned himself pretty well in this swap tribe. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think Kirby was just too far in front. She's just too out there. Her name's too large to give her a buff for this episode. I think the OG Titans had the right idea, being the swing vote between the two. Um, being between the two alliances. And yeah, you're right. I think Scott really aced it. All right, let's look at the leaderboard. Buckles buff of the episode. Garrick, of course, goes home on one. We've got two newbies onto the board. We've got Kitty and Valeria on one apiece. Uh, now we've got a few people on two. We've got Eden's now on two. Kirby's with us on two. Ferris was with us on two. And Charles, new to the ladder, is on two as well. Caroline moves up with Scott to three points as equal second. And, of course, we have Mark out on the lead at seven. Well, I think uh, now that there's so many people on the buff board, I think it's a, a testament to, one, the casting. So the casting team, great job, because we've got people that are making lots of moves. It's really, really interesting. Of course, Mark is up there because he had a great first week, week and a half. Um 
unless he does pull something out of my hat, I don't see him getting any buffs anytime soon. So he's going to be there while, and there's people catching up to him. Yeah, definitely. Look, Caroline, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, Caroline is a powerhouse, and she she really is a titan. And she has definitely proven herself this week as a force to be reckoned with, and genuinely, she takes over Mark in my mind at the moment. Mark really fucked up this week, and he's in a bad spot. We'll have to find out what happens. We're, and we'll did you know that Caroline... Did you know that Caroline's a midwife? I never knew. I, I just wait. How many babies has she delivered? Uh, over a thousand. But over <laughs> the a thousand. view in oh. her intro package was a, a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. No, look, Caroline, you are a titan. Very proud of you this week. I think you were the standout character this week. Um, overall, the standout character of the of sort of the Titans tribe at the moment seems that Mark sort of withered into the background. <laughs> Funny that. Yeah. Boys, this has been an amazing episode. I am sorry that it's been so rushed. Um, Joseph, I just want to ask, mate, what do you got going on? Is there anything that you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, a couple of things, actually. Uh, look out later this year. <laughs> I am doing my own LRG, Survivor Cayman Islands, and Ooh. we are the first LRG ever to be filmed on an actual tropical island like Survivor. Yeah, is. yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> we're filming it uh, late April. It's going to be over two days. We're going to have lots of beaches, lots of coconuts, lots of diving. Um, and on that note, I'm actually doing a free diving course on the weekend because why not? Uh, and that's going to be really, really fun. Awesome. Wow. awesome. How good is that? That's, that's awesome. That's it. All right, guys, get into it. Survivor Cayman Islands, Joseph, plugging it. Yeehaw. Even if you can't get on season one, get on season two. Thank you so much for coming on, Joseph. It's been it's been great. Oh, it's been so much fun talking to you guys. I've really enjoyed this season so far, and sometimes just watching it for entertainment is one thing, but watching it with some with a notepad and actually analysing the moves, you teach yourself a lot about um, things that maybe you would have done differently or things that you would have done better, um, and that's all just preparation from when we're all inevitably on oh, the of show. Course, of course. Talking about that, Mac, what do you got going on? You you plan Australian Survivor next season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, de- I definitely plan to. It just depends if they cast me. Yeah, big weekend on. It's actually my daughter's second birthday, so we're having a big party for her on Sunday, which actually ruled my plans. I had plans to go up for Brisbane Survivor um, to, to help with the crew there. Shout out Sam Green and the crew. Good luck this weekend, Brisbane Survivor. They film. Um, and I said to my wife, I'm going to go up and do it. She's like, yep, go. And she's like, when is it? I said, the 18th of Feb. And she's like, that's your daughter's birthday. I said, of course it is. What a, what a great father I am. So I'm staying here in Sydney and celebrating with my beautiful family. And uh, that's my weekend. What about yourself, Buckles? Okay. Um, I don't have a whole lot going on. I'm pretty sort of got a bit of a low-key weekend. I've got Taylor Swift coming up next week. So oh. that's, that's, that's a little bit exciting, I guess. Um, I can't say I'm the, yeah, I'm not, I can't say I'm the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but... I'm in the place that everyone else wants to be, so that's all that matters, right? <laughs> you spent like, 400 bucks <laughs> on a ticket. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have to pay for it, so that's oh, all. That's I'm just going. <laughs> nah, um, no, I'm very excited, very excited for that. So I just, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. Work, play, survivor. That's um, where what I've got going on. To get any better. Uh, okay, Joseph, where can people get a hold of you, mate? Uh, well, you can find me uh, on every good quality social media platform. You can find me on TikTok, Joseph Batesy. That's Batesy with a Y. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Joseph underscore Batesy. And you can even find the Instagram for Survivor Cayman Islands, being Survivor Cayman Islands. I also have our own domain, SurvivorCaymanIslands.com. 
Yeah, so yeah. watch out for uh, plugs later in the year. It'll probably air on YouTube. Also, also YouTube as well, Survivor Cayman Islands, uh, towards the end of the year. No, that's awesome. I definitely want to get involved. I can't wait till that comes out. It's going to be very enjoyable. Just getting to see more of you. That's all that matters. Ah, well, I'm the hostess with the most exactly. so it's going to be a lot of fun. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be sick. Righto, Buckles. Um, just, just before we wrap everything up, uh, we've been, Kelly's been in touch with us via our DMs on Instagram and she's a lot of fun and we love Kelly and I promised her that we'd plug her, uh, merchandise. She's selling some shirts. Um, a whole bunch of different stuff. Are you single shirts? Cupid Chaos, Smiling Assassin, Whoop Whoop. There's a bunch of different stuff out there. Check her out on Instagram. Um, yeah, we love Kelly. She's copying a lot of like, flack for her gameplay, but love her as a character. So get around it, guys. Check out Kelly on Instagram and, and buy some of her stuff. It's good stuff. All right, guys. Thank you so much for getting this far. Uh, hit us up on Facebook at Survivor Buffs, Blindsides, and Band. To get us on Instagram at Survivor underscore three BS. Get us on Twitter or X at Survivor three BS. And of course, our TikTok account that's still new and going off. Absolutely loving it. Um, just the games that we've got going on. We had so much fun doing them. Can't wait for you all to see them. They'll be coming out sporadically over the next few weeks. And that's at Buffs, Blindsides, and Banter. I've been Buckles. They've been Mac and Joseph. You've been awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joseph. Cheers, mate. Woo! Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Buckles. Thanks, Joseph. Uh, see you all next week. You.